Hey friends, welcome to the City Hope Podcast. My name is Bobby Thompson and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor. I pray that today's message would inspire you, it would encourage you, and it would also challenge you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy today's sermon. <laughs> well, good morning and uh, welcome to church. Uh, we're going to have a little fun today. Uh, <clears throat> so you guys look good. You guys look good this morning. Tell somebody next to you, you look good today. Come on, a little encouragement, all right? I like it. Uh, good encouragement, nice way to start the morning. Hey, my name's Bobby, and if I haven't got to meet you yet, uh, I would love that opportunity as soon as we're done. And uh, I, I, I truly believe this. I think your presence matters to Jesus. So anytime you go to church, anytime you're with the people of God, I think God is happy, he is pleased, and, and your presence here matters today. And so I don't ever want you to think that, oh, we're just going to church. It matters to Jesus, it matters to us. And um, I know people come to church for, for many different reasons. Some people come to, uh, because they like the music. As a matter of fact, can we just show a little bit of a love for our worship team? Man, uh, so good, Pastor Brad. But maybe you come to church, you like to, to feel good about yourself, you like the music, a uh, few people maybe the preaching, but I believe that the local church is the hope of the world, and I believe that we have the awesome privilege of sharing Jesus and to fulfill his plan. And, you know, God speaks to us in many different ways. He can speak to us through, through others, through, through God's word, through song, through our, our worship, uh, through, through circumstances, but I also believe he speaks to us through the church. And so that's been my prayer for you this week. I didn't know that you were going to be here, but I've been praying this week, God, use our church services, use these messages to speak to the heart of people. And so uh, I pray that today you came ready to listen and ready to hear what God has for you. Um, we had a fantastic first service and, uh, and I'm excited about this one. We're in this series called Traps and Trolls as we kind of, you know, gear up for this Halloween season and uh, the spookiness of the world. But we're talking about uh, kind of spiritual warfare here that, that the enemy sets traps for you and I. He doesn't want you to succeed. He doesn't want you to have a happy, peaceful, comfort life. He wants you to be miserable and struggle. And, 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 and he trolls us with so many different things in our life. And we got to be careful. And so last week we talked about the trap of offense, of offense, and how we can get offended, and it's going to happen. All of us are going to get offended, but it's really how we respond to the offense, right? And, and so many of us, we, we, we're quick to react, but God calls us to respond, and we can do that if we live through his grace and his freedom and all the things that he gives for us. So if you missed that one, uh, it was a good sermon, I'm not going to lie. Um, and so go back and listen to that uh, and next week. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, but go back and, and go to our podcast and listen. Um, but this week, um, man, I, 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 I said this last week, and, and maybe I say this a lot, uh, but um, this is a tough one. Because I think this is something that all of us struggle with, and all of us can fall into this trap. Today we're going to talk about the trap of shame, the trap of shame. And um, I, I fully believe as a, as a pastor now for 20 years, I believe that shame is one of the primary tools that the enemy uses to keep God's people from doing what he calls them to do. I believe that shame is one of the toughest things to overcome, uh, the, the guilt, the shame, that, that it puts us on the sidelines, not in the game of what God has for us. And I want to be just completely transparent with you this morning. I know that there's some of you that have walked in here this morning that have a heart full of shame. You're struggling with this. You are in the trap of shame. And I, I, I know that God has a word for you today. I know that God wants to speak to your heart. How many of you know what this is? Anybody know what this is? 
All right, it's not an old school ice tray. I know that's what it looks like. Um, this is a, it's called a glue trap, all right? It's for mice or rodents or insects or bugs, right? And it's kind of weird. Um, I've never really seen one like this. Most of them that we see, right, it's, it's immediate death. It's, it's clamped down. It's kill you. Like, you're done, right? Snap your head off, whatever it is. Um, this trap is, is different. It's made to just catch you, <laughs> right? It's made, like, it's super sticky. You want to try it, Ray? Don't do it. Don't do it. it like, like it, if you touch, I touched it earlier, and I thought I was going to have to go home. But, but it, this trap is made not to have a quick death. <laughs> this trap is a slow, agonizing, you get stuck in here, and you're going to starve to death. Uh, the, the mouse is going to, you know, get dehydrated or, uh, um, you know, just struggle to, to get out of the trap. Because when you get in this trap, um, it's, it's, you're stuck. It's a slow, agonizing, painful reality that I can't get out. I believe that the trap of shame is just like this. I believe that the trap of shame that so many of us live in day after day after day can, can exactly be this. We get stuck. We get trapped in a sin because of something that we said wrong in our past. Something that we did wrong. Some, some sin. I know I shouldn't have done it. And now I'm so ashamed that I can't take my next step in my life. That thing that we said wrong. The thing that we thought wrong we just can't seem to shake it off and so what happens is we get stuck to a place where I can't get out I can't get out because of what I did because of what I said because of how I acted because of the sin that I committed I am stuck and we allow these these past things in our life to keep us hostage Right, And what we're doing is we're allowing our past to hang on to us. Instead of being free to take steps in our life that God calls us to, and, and, and the things that we know that he wants us to do, the things that he's gifted us with, and we're like, ah, I can't do that because I'm, I'm stuck back here in this shame. We're going to unpack this today. We're going to look at a, a phenomenal story in the Bible. But before we do that, I want to just kind of quickly um, identify and define what is shame? What is guilt? What, what does that look like in my life? Just so we can better get uh, uh, identify what that is. Now, both of these are negative emotions, right? Guilt and shame. These are, these are negative emotions that come into our life. But let me give you just a, a quick definition. This is Bobby, okay? This isn't God's word. This isn't, you know, Webster. This is Bobby's dictionary, all right? Guilt is about the sin itself that you did, okay? I cheated, I stole, I lie, I, I, mur- I messed up. I'm, I'm, I feel guilty over the sin that I committed. Shame is about the fact that you did do it, okay? Shame is, it! I shouldn't have done that. I'm an idiot. I'm stupid. Why did I do that? I told him I would never do that again. I promised. I made a, I made a vow and I broke the vow and I feel ashamed that I did the thing. Shame is generally more painful than guilt. Guilt leads to tension, right? It leads to remorse. It leads to uh, regret where shame makes me feel unworthy. Shame makes me feel like I'm small. I, I'm, I'm worthless. I can't do this. I'm powerless, right? Guilt, when we feel guilty, uh, mom, I lied to you. What, what is that? I, it leads to confession, right? It leads to, I shouldn't have done this. Let me apologize. Let's repair the relationship. 
where shame leads to more um, uh, behavior as, as I'm hiding. I'm stuck. I can't get out of this. I shrink back. I want to I be over there, but I'm just not worthy. And so what happens is we get caught in this pattern of, of sin and guilt and shame, and we get stuck in the trap. We get stuck in the trap. So what do I do? What do I do? Some of you, some of you this morning, the reality is you're stuck in this trap of shame. You walk in here today and you feel like, I don't feel like I fit in here and I'm not worthy. And I, Man, if, if people really knew me, they wouldn't like me. Well, I want to give you, I want to give you the answer. Okay, I'm going to give you the answer first, and then we're going to go through. Uh, don't you like when the teachers does that? Like, I'm going to give you the answer up here. Like, after this, you can leave, right? Church is over. This is the answer. But the cure, the cure to guilt and shame of sin is to allow God to cover us. The cure, the, how do I get rid of this guilt? How do I get rid of this shame? How do I t- t- to step into what God has for me, the cure to the guilt and shame of sin is to allow God to cover us. And I know some of you may be thinking, man, that just sounds kind of easy. Well, the reality is it is. It is easy. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. You don't have to turn in there. Just look on the screen. Hebrews chapter 4, the Bible says this. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with what? With boldness. God, I'm coming to you. And I screwed up and I messed up and I, I made a fool of myself. But I'm coming to you with boldness. Why would I be able to do that? So that I can receive mercy and find grace to help me in my time of need. I need you to cover me, God. I can't do it on my own. So the Bible says, approach God's throne with boldness. Not with, God, if you're listening. God, if, if it's okay for me to pray. I know I, know I haven't done this in a while. Like that, that's, the wrong, that's the wrong way. That's the wrong action that God's word tells us to do. He says, leave your shame at the door and come to me with boldness. Now, part of this process is, is this. Every one of us walked in here this morning, and you have a way that you view God, okay? The way that you view God. Some of you view God as, as maybe an angry God. Some of you may view God as this happy God, and I can do whatever I want, and he gives me total freedom. But, but my question this morning is, I want you to think about that. How do you view God today? All over the room, students, kids, older, like all of us. How do I view God? Because that has a huge impact on how I'm going to deal with my shame and my guilt in my life is how I view God. It's a process. Let me illustrate it like this. I strive to be an organized person. Okay? That's just one of my personalities. Some people call it OCD. I call it being right. Okay? So, so like... Um, I can get a little, uh, mm, I walk into a room and my eyes go to the things that are wrong with the room, not things that are right with the room, okay? Um, I, I, I got issues, okay? I'm working through it. Leave me alone, all right? Years ago, um, we were, uh, had, had two little girls at this time, and Emma and Sissy, Emma's our oldest, Sissy's our youngest, and, and they shared a bedroom, and um, they, they were best buds, and they had bunk beds, and then we took the beds down. And again, very neat person, so it was my turn to put the girls to bed that night. So we go through the whole routine of, all right, it's time to go to bed. I don't want to go to bed. Shut up. I'm going to kill you. Go to bed. Like, like you know, just the, the nightly routine. And so we're, we're going through the routine. Brush your teeth, you know, all this stuff. Finally, we pray. Go to bed. All right. 
All right, so at this time, when, when the girls were young, when we put the girls to bed, it was our time to watch a show, right? We would, we would just go, we'd find a show to watch. And so I'm like, all right, Shira, we get, to, we get to watch our show. So we get into the show, and about 30 minutes goes by, and all of a sudden, I just hear little feet running through the house. And as good parents, like most parents do, we're like, I'm not going, you got to go, I'm not going. Like, we're fighting over who has to go see the kids. And so I was like, fine. I'll be a good husband. I'll go see what's going on. So I go in. I don't see anybody. I'm like, that's, that's kind of weird. Wonder, wonder what's going on here. And so I walk into Emma and Sissy's room. And as I open the door, Sissy looks up and she's like, just eyes wide open, like, uh oh. And I walk over to her bed and I begin to see that Sissy went and took my favorite bag of chips into her room and they are everywhere. They're all over, you know, like the cheese all over your face, fingers, hair, bed. And I'm just like, you know, and remember, I'm a little neat freak, OCD, and I'm just walking in there and I'm just going, why? Why did you do this? Why? Right? Like all good parents. Like we're asking our four-year-old, why? And what in the world were you thinking? And she just looked up at me and she goes, <laughs> that was her response. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm angry, I'm heated. She ate all my favorite chips. They're everywhere. And, and, and I'm just, I'm like, why? Why would you, like, we feed you. You're not starving. What is wrong with you? And, and, and I'm upset. She disobeyed. There's this mess, right? And, and, I, and I ask her, and, and I'm like, Sissy, why did you do this? And, and I'll never forget this. Shoulders go down. Heads down, and she looks up at me. Saw we daddy. And I'm like, just like many of you right now, <laughs> I'm like, man, you're a good dad right now, buddy. <laughs> like, you're dad of the year here. Your four year old, head slumped over, shoulders down. Saw we. Can I tell you, in that moment, my heart was full of shame. I, I, I struggle to this day with making my daughter feel shamed in that moment. And I think about this instance, and I think about things like this, and yeah, that's a, the silly story. But it came so real to me, it became so real to me that the face of the father and the tone of the father can sap the strength right out of his child. Or the face of the Father, the tone of the Father, the love of the Father can build up the face of his child. And I think that many, many people, many people that even claim to know Christ have this view of God's face like, like why? Why do you keep doing that? Why do you keep sinning? Why do you keep messing up? Why aren't you good enough? Why aren't, you, why aren't you listening to me? And I fear that so many people, that the enemy has us in this trap of shame. And, and, and we just feel like God's sitting up in heaven and we're, and, and, and we're unsure. We're unsure of God's full acceptance of us. We're like, well, if I figure it all out, then God will be proud of me. If I, if I get everything right, then I can live this, this life like, like that I want to live. And we have this, we, we suspect that God is disappointed with our best efforts. And we're in this trap of shame. Like, like we're never really going to please God. I'm never going to be able to do this. I, 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 he always is going to wish that I was a little bit better. 
And, and, and honestly, what that leads to is that actually leads to we question the full acceptance from God's people, right? If I don't know if God really accepts me, do I want to go hang around with a bunch of people like that that I don't know if they fully accept me? And so what does that do? It keeps us from going to church, right? It keeps us from being involved in a godly community because I don't feel worthy and I don't know if people are going to accept me. So I'm just going to keep myself out of that situation. I'm not going to put myself in those tough places. And, 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 and we convince ourselves that, that people don't struggle and, and they're going to despise us when they find out what, what, what our sin, what our weakness really is. And so we pull away from church, we pull away from God, and what the enemy does is he begins to isolate us. He begins to isolate us, and we begin to be stuck in this agonizing trap that the enemy has set for us all because of shame. If you're here this morning and and you find yourself relating to, to what we're talking about. You find yourself kind of living on the margins. You find yourself like, I, I want to draw near to God, but I don't know how. I'm uncertain. I feel trapped, and I, I, I just I need to take this step. Well, there's a beautiful story in Mark chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, go to Mark chapter 5. I want to share this story with you because I believe it, it, it illustrates, it gives us a, a, an unbelievable example of how we can experience the goodness of a father. The face of a father, the approval of a father that so many of us are desperate to experience. So Mark chapter 5 is is Jesus is walking the earth, right? This is part of his ministry. And he's going throughout earth and he's going to people who are struggling and people that are hurt and people that need healing. And he's walking to them and he's healing people and he's teaching and he's sharing and he's telling people how to love Jesus and, and, and how to love God and how to live for God. And then we're introduced to a woman. So Mark chapter 5, we're going to begin reading in verse 21. Let's do this. Let's stand to our feet in honor of the reading of God's word together. Change some of your position uh, just for a moment. But begin reading in verse 21 of Mark chapter 5. Let's look at this story together. When Jesus has crossed over again by boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, And he begged him earnestly, my little daughter is dying. Come and lay your hands on her so she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. Verse 25. Now a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased. She sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Verse 30. At once, Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and he said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing against you, and yet you say, who touched me? They're kind of being little smart alecks right there, all right? Verse 32, but he was looking around to see who had done this. The woman, with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray. Your blessing on the reading of your word. I pray for these next few minutes of our lives that our hearts and our minds would be purely focused on you and what you have for us. Lord, I pray that today 
that people would be able to break free from this trap of shame. I pray that today we would experience your love, your goodness, your approval, your acceptance. God, speak to us in a mighty, mighty way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we have this, this story, Mark tells us, and he begins with this problem. This synagogue leader, this person that was kind of popular as Jesus is going from city to city, Jairus comes up to him and he's like, Jesus, I need your help. My daughter's dying. I need you to come to my house. And so Jesus was like, yeah, man, I got you. I'm, I'm coming to your house. On the way to Jairus' house, the Bible talks specifically about how this huge crowd was following Jesus. And on the way, this unclean woman, is the way the Bible describes her, came up behind Jesus and touched his clothes. And she thought in herself, if I could just get to his clothes, then I can be healed. Now, at first, this doesn't seem like a big deal, but you got to dig a little bit deeper here to understand that this was huge. Now, for those of you that are, that are Bible scholars or, or you, you like to dig into things, um, go read like Leviticus 13, 14, 15, and you can see what happens when you are deemed unclean in the Bible. It wasn't like you and I, like, you know, you got COVID, you stay quarantined for 12 days, and then you're good, right? Like, like... This is one of the things that was a really, really big deal in Israel during this time. People who were unclean, the law said, you have to stay away. You are not allowed to get around other people. You are cut off from community, right? During this time, community was a really big deal because they believed that the presence of God was in the tabernacle. So they spent a lot of time in the church. They wanted to go to be in God's presence. And so if you were deemed unclean, you couldn't go to the tabernacle. You weren't allowed to be in there. Right? And, and so in, in ancient Israel, life was all about community. They were with each other every day. They wanted to be around. And so the, the, the thought of being unclean was you are by yourself. Like this is, this is living death. This is not good. You're, you're away from God's presence. You can't be around people. This is a really big deal. So this lady who was deemed unclean, she couldn't have any physical contact. And remember, the Bible says there were lots of people around Jesus. So she had to be very, very careful when she was out. She couldn't have any physical contact. For 12 years, the Bible said she was suffering. So, so just think with me. She, she's walking around with like this scarlet letter. Don't be around her. She's unclean. Ew, gross. Go away. You're not allowed to be around us. You're not worthy to be around us. Imagine the shame. Imagine the emotions of this lady who, who just, she just wanted to be like everyone else. She just wanted her life to be, she couldn't do anything to make it right. She had tried everything imaginable, and so all she was left with was shame. She was in a major trap of shame and sin in her heart and in her life. But I want you to see a couple things, and we're going to break this story down, and, and we'll get out of here in just a few minutes. Something that I, that I really love about this story is this lady did not deny her problem. She did not deny that she had an issue. I think that's, a, that's a, a huge step that we can't miss because so many of us want to deny that we have a problem. So many of us want to deny that I'm trapped. But she, she doesn't deny her problem. And her manner of approaching Jesus communicates that she had great humility, but she was desperate. A woman at this time, if she was found to be unclean and she was around people, there was grounds for stoning. They could literally stone her because she being next to other people would make them unclean. And so she took a huge risk. 
getting to the feet of Jesus. Now, many scholars believe that the way that she got to Jesus was crawling on her feet, or her hands and her knees, through the crowd. So because she couldn't be seen, she couldn't be touched. So many people believe that she, she was suffering just this brutal mentally, physically, spiritually. She was struggling, and, and she couldn't help herself. It was, it was so humbling for her, so she took this big risk. And she, she imagined with me just crawling through this huge crowd of people, hoping that nobody recognizes her, hoping that no one sees her, just to get to Jesus. Now, the fact of the matter is, she didn't even know how Jesus was going to respond, did she? She had faith that he would heal her. She had faith, but he, he, he could have made fun of her. He could have pointed her out and got her in trouble. He could have said, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll heal you, but you got to do these ten steps first, right? He could have done a lot of different things. But she comes honest and she comes desperate. She's at the feet of Jesus and, and, and she's like, here I am. I don't know what else to do. But I want you to hear this today, church. The trap of shame leaves us feeling like we're not good enough. I'm not good enough. I can't go to Jesus face to face. I can't. I got to just sneak up behind him. I, I can't. I can't be this, this person that goes to church all the time. I, I, I just, I'm not good enough. You notice in this story, like it, it, it kind of starts out and it's like, oh, this synagogue leader and his name's Jarius, and, and they tell a lot about Jarius. Do you know what they tell about this woman? She was a woman, unclean. We don't know her name. We don't, we don't get a lot of information. She's unnamed, unknown. Many thought she was unworthy of Jesus' time. Why would, why would she go to Jesus? And for some of you today, the hardest step that you need to take is being able to realize that I can come to Jesus just like I am. Now, now, now listen to me. Like, I know there's some, like, guys, man, we struggle with this, right? Because like, we got a lot of pride, and we're like, ah, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm good. It's just the way I am, right? Like, like but, but here, here's the reality. We get trapped in this, this trap of shame, and instead, just like this woman, she just, she didn't know what else to do. She went to Jesus just like she was. She didn't go try to get everything fixed, and, 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 and she, excuse me, she tried to go get everything fixed, and nothing worked out, and so she, she got to this desperate place where the only thing I got left to do is get to Jesus. The only thing I got left is go to him, and we got to get to this place where I simply can come to Jesus. This is who I am, God. I'm sorry. I've, I've screwed it up. I've messed it up. I'm tired of living in this trap of shame. I'm, try, I'm tired of being stuck because I'm just going for this agonizing, slow death. And i got to get out of this trap. She was just being real about where she was. She thought, if I could just get to Jesus, if I could just, get, if I could just touch his clothes. So verse 29, she touches his clothes. And instantly, the Bible says, she was healed of her issues. Now, I want you to hear this. This is what you came for this morning, okay? Verse 30 and 31. This is where the story gets amazing. Because some of you right now, you can sit in here, and, and men and women, we can relate with this woman. We can relate that she was, she was feeling unworthy. She was feeling like she wasn't good enough. She was feeling like, I'm, I'm not like everybody else. And, and some of you can relate to that. And I want you to see this. Look what happens in verse 30 and 31. Highlight it, underline it, circle it. Immediately, Jesus realized the power had gone out from him. And then look what happens. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? 
So just think with me for a minute. If, if the face of the father is a big deal of the countenance of the child, this woman is sneaking up behind Jesus and he stopped. Now don't forget, he was on a mission, right? He was going to do something important. He was going to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. So he had some things to do. But Jesus thought this woman important enough that as he was going, he stopped. And what did he do? He turned his face toward this woman. Why? So that she could know that he approved of this woman. He, he wanted her to know. Like, let me, let me tell you the significance of seeing Jesus' face. Anytime in the Bible that the word face is referenced, it's referencing either judgment or approval. Okay? In the Old Testament, when God turned his face towards the children of Israel, he was approving of them. He was saying, yeah, I bless you. I, you're, you're doing right. It's, it's, I, I want you, you're doing good. There's favor coming your way. But anytime throughout the Bible when God turns his face away from the children of Israel, what does that mean? It incites judgment. It means there's wrath coming. You aren't living right, and I'm turning my face away from you. And so here's Jesus walking on a mission to go to Jairus' daughter, and here's this broken, unclean, unworthy woman sneaking up behind, touching his clothes, and Jesus turned around so that he could show her, you know what, lady? I approve. You've come to the right place. Everybody else may think you're unclean. Everybody else may not approve. But I want you to see that I approve. Jesus stopped. He turned around and he looked intently. And he's passionately scanning the crowd because he is adamant to show his approval. He's scanning the crowd and he's asking kind of silly questions. Who touched me? I, I, want, I want her to know that I approve. Can I tell you something today, church? That same God is passionate about shining a light into your heart, helping you out of this trap of shame so that you can see the face of Jesus is not up there pointing fingers. He's not up there mad, screaming, why? There's power. There's freedom. There's liberty. There, there's, there's so much that God has to offer in the face of Jesus. When we get to the feet of Jesus. And, and look at this result here. In verse 33, the woman with fear and trembling. She sneaks through the crowd. She touches Jesus. She knows something just happened in her body. I'm healed. And the Bible says with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, she came and she fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And, and, and here she, I, I love this lady, right? Because she doesn't try to sugarcoat it. She doesn't say, well, you know, it wasn't really my fault. And, and all these people did this to me. She didn't play the victim. The Bible says that she told him the whole truth. And she came and she fell down. And, and when I read stories like this, I wonder weird things. Like, how long did it take her to stand up and say, yeah, it was me, right? How long did Jesus have to scan the crowd and go, who, who touched me? Was it 10 minutes? Was it 20? I don't know. But I do know however long it took her to show herself was probably too long. And I wonder how many of us today are unwilling and, and we're stuck. We're unwilling to turn to Jesus. We're unwilling to return to Jesus because we're convinced. We're so convinced with fear and trembling. There's going to be judgment. He's going to be mad. There's going to be condemnation. There, there, he's, he's not going to approve. There's going to be all of this in my life. I want to speak the truth to your heart today 
if you're willing to listen. Because of God's grace and our small measure of faith, there is no condemnation. There is no judgment. There is approval for you. Now listen to me today. I know this is, man... The enemy's fighting, right? He doesn't want you out of the trap. He doesn't want you. This is for somebody else, right? I can't wait for lunch. You know, when do the Ravens play? Like, who's winning the game? Like, like there's so many things, right? There's so many things. And I, I want to just, just zero in with me here. We're going we're gonna to leave here in just a minute. We can be freed from the trap of shame when we realize that my worst cannot compete with Christ's best. I'm going to leave that up there for a minute. Because some of you need, to, you need to put that in your soul. My worst days that I don't want anybody to know about, my worst can never compete with what Jesus Christ did on that cross. And when I am in this trap of shame, when I'm in my, in my pity party and I'm you know, self-loathing and I'm feeling unworthy, what I'm doing is I'm saying, God, my sin is bigger than what Jesus did on the cross. And we need to realize right now, however deep your mess goes, His holiness goes deeper. His goodness goes deeper. His love for you goes deeper. And He will never, ever, ever get exhausted giving it to you and I. And then here, if I could, had to pick one. It's my favorite verse out of this story. Look at verse 34. This broken woman. This unclean woman, this woman who feels unworthy, risked it all to get to Jesus just to touch his clothes. And look what he says. What's the first word he says? Daughter. Can you just imagine the emotions that that young lady felt? What? I'm a, I'm a part of your family. You just call me your daughter? Church, that's what God has for you and I today. Son, come on. Daughter, come on. Stop living in the trap of shame. Daughter, I love this. It's not because of anything she did. It's not because she snuck through the crowd. It's not because she went to all the doctors and lost all her money. Look what he says. Why, why is she healed? Your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Not, not just healed her physically, but now she's, she has this place of, of peace. She has this life of comfort. She can lay her head down on the pillow at night and know, man, because of my faith, my heavenly father who called me daughter, I get to be a part of his family. And Jesus healed her soul. If you look at your life today and you think, man, I'm stuck in shame. If you're here this morning and you're tired of struggling, you're tired of striving to get free over and over again, and you find yourself in the same pattern, I believe with all of my heart that Jesus wants to heal you. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus is, is sitting at the right hand of the Father today with his face towards you, not going, why, but going, come be a part of my family. I love you. I'm here for you. It's not about what you've done. It's about what I did. 
believe that Jesus wants to take that shame away from us and set you free to walk in peace. And we have a God who's persistent. And even when things seem hopeless, maybe you're in here this morning and your life seems hopeless and you're struggling and the walls are caving in and everything's crashing down and you just feel like I'm trapped. Well, as we close today, I want to encourage you with a couple things. The first step of getting out of the trap of shame is making Jesus Lord of your life. This woman got to the feet of Jesus because she knew he could make a difference. Some of you today, you need to get to the feet of Jesus so that he can show his approval of you. If you don't know Christ, that's step one. None of this is going to make sense. The, the, the trap is always going to be there. If you're not out of that trap that, that, that man, that the enemy wants to hold you in of, of sin and death and eternity and hell, that's step one. Accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Say, God, my life is yours. Use it as you please. Here I am. I'm coming to you just as I am. I'm not going to try to go figure it all out first, but God, here's I, here I am. This is who I am. Step one is knowing Christ, but for those of us that know Christ and you're part of the family and, and you know for sure, and, and, and here's the hard part. Think about this for a second. We trust, in, we trust in his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy for our eternity, right? We, like, we got that figured out. Yeah, I'm going to heaven. I'm saved. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm good there. But we doubt it when it comes to our living our daily lives. Why is his grace and his mercy not good enough for me to get out of the trap of shame? Why do I still feel stuck? Why do I still feel unworthy? I know I'm going to heaven, but man, I can't take my next step. God has gifted you with the ability to serve him. And for so many of us, the trap of shame has us stuck over here. Not ready to take the step because uh, I'm just not there. And God's calling out today and he says, let me show you my approval. In a letter to some of the first followers of Jesus, Peter writes one of the most comforting, peaceful sentences. He's repeating Isaiah, but he makes it clear that to everyone that Jesus is the cornerstone and foundation of, if you want to get unstuck from a life of shame and sin and death, uh, I want you to look at this verse here with me. First Peter chapter 2, verse 6 says this. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And look at this next part. To the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Jesus is the cornerstone of life. And if you don't have that cornerstone, then guess what? This is what you're going to see. You're going to see a life full of traps. You're going to get stuck in a lot of traps. Without any hope. When I accept Jesus... You guys know this. Doesn't mean that there's no more traps, right? Doesn't mean that. There's going to be plenty more traps. But the one whose trust is in him will never be put to shame. If you feel stuck this morning, you have a hard time seeing yourself the way that God sees you. You feel unworthy. You need peace in your heart. Maybe just like the woman, you need to reach out, 
get to the feet of Jesus and just believe that he can heal and set you free. I'm gonna ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning as we close. Listen, I know, I know this is heavy. It's heavy in my heart. I struggle with this. I struggle mightily with feeling worthy to be a pastor, to lead a church, to give people wisdom. I struggle. But my challenge to each and every one of us this morning is let's walk out of here knowing what the face of God looks like towards me. Because of Jesus, not because of me, not because of you, because of Jesus, the face of God is turned towards you with approval, with love, forgiveness, with grace, with mercy. That far outweighs any bad, any sin, any wrong choices that you and I will ever make. Doesn't give us a license to go sin, right? That's not what it is. It gives us peace and hope that when we do mess up, that we serve a great big God. And listen to me this morning. If you're here today and you've never given your heart and life to Jesus, that's step one. Maybe you've heard about it. Maybe you've thought about it. Maybe your your mom, your grandma told you about it. But if you've never personally taken the step to give your heart and your life to Jesus, then that's your step today. Step out of that trap. And say, God, here I am, just as I am. Here is me. And we try to make this as easy as possible, but the reality is, is the ball's in your court. We can't do this for you. I can't make this decision for you. We got a tent right out the back door. I'll be up here. We got people that have been praying for you that would do anything to take God's word and show you what it means to have a relationship with Christ. That's step one. For the rest of us, what's your view of God? Is shame and guilt living in your heart, driving your decisions? Get to the feet of Jesus. Right now, in this moment, before you walk out of these doors, get to the feet of Jesus. God, here I am. I need you. I need you to show up. I need to see your face of approval. I need to feel and experience your love. I need to know how good you are today, God. Father, I pray that all over this room that hearts would be challenged and changed. God, that you would use this message, your word, to speak to our heart. Lord, help us to just to marinate it on it throughout this week and to use it in our lives to to get out of the traps that we fall in. Don't allow the enemy to win these battles, Lord. Help us to walk out of here today with peace, with comfort, knowing that you are bigger than us. Your goodness is bigger than my weakness. Help us to live in that every single day. It's in Jesus' name. Thanks again for tuning in with us today. We would love to connect with you, and the best way to do that is through social media or go straight to our website. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.